You're allowing time for God to speak to you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, that I am listening and I, I need him to show me things. I need him to speak to me, to challenge me and confront sin in my life, to encourage me when my heart is low, to uh, just let me see beautiful things. Gosh. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Man, this guy right here, Stranger, <laughs> Granger Smith. It has been so long, my friend. We were just talking that... Uh, uh, we haven't seen each other for a long time. I know. I, I got to be on your podcast a couple weeks ago, but prior to that, it was a month went by. Yeah. We celebrated our one-year friend of friend friend anniversary. Yeah, our we did. Our friend anniversary. We met delivering pizzas during the ice apocalypse yeah. in Texas. That's right. Yeah. And I was just saying, I met you at a time when, man, your world had slowed down quite a bit. Yeah. Because of... COVID and just, yeah, that season. And so now things are ramping up and this is the normal life of Granger Smith. And I'm like, where's my buddy? I know. Hey, you want to get tacos? You're like, uh, I'm in Alaska. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll catch you next week. So it's so good to see you. You too, buddy. I miss you, man. You too. I miss you too. I uh, love this podcast. So here we are. We're back at it. Episode 20. So you were episode one, episode five. I think you were episode 10. I like those, those even like numbers. You're hitting the, yeah. hitting the marks, yeah. man. I like it. So uh, my most frequent guest and uh, just a, an awesome brother. You've been traveling around. You've been doing stuff. You've been preaching. You've been singing. You've been podcasting. You have a radio show. Yeah. Like what? Man, your world is swirling about. So in the midst of a swirling world, what's God teaching you these days? To be, to be present. And, and that's kind of been my theme for about three years now is just to be present in the moment that I am. I've been saying lately, I've been saying this a lot, that my future is none of my business. Mm. I only have today to worry about. Yeah, Jesus gives us uh, the, he gives us leeway to worry about today, but that's it. That's interesting. He gives us the leeway or we're allowed to. The permission. Permission. Yeah. To concern ourselves with today, yeah. but not tomorrow. Yeah. I, we have a sign in our house that says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen. And that's really, um, it's difficult to live that way. I'd be lying to say that I, that's how I live every day. But, but um, I know that that's the foundation of how I need to live. Yeah. So how do you live in the tension where you have to think forward? Like yeah. you have to think about the next, like how far out do you have tour dates and locations and travel, like you, you have to think about that stuff, but at the same time, you can't, like, how do you live there? Well, we could think about it, but we just can't worry about it or be anxious about it. Okay. Because as, as I learned, it was funny because I keep this journal, daily journal, it's digital. It's actually on this iPad. And I'm reading three years ago, the daily journal. And, and in, when I'm writing this three years ago, I didn't know that the world was about, well, it was two years ago, that the world was about to shut down with COVID. 
And I was talking about making plans and stressing over issues that might come up. But I didn't know that just literally days from now, two years ago, COVID was going to hit and change everything. That's a great example of, well, I don't know what the future holds. It's none of my business. But without COVID, take it away from me. I don't have relationship with you and so many other things that happened during that time Mm -hmm. that I was able to learn that God taught me through his plan. Yeah. And, And it's funny, you could say the same thing when we were 20 years old, we could have made a drawing, a big chart of how we want our life to go. Wife, kids, career. You, we could draw it out and we could make it real nice and neat. And if you look back at, if you could look at that drawing now, you'd go, well, that's cool. But what God drew was mm. so much more intricate and beautiful. It's kind of like, I think about it like we could draw a sunset and you could use different paint colors and oranges and blues, and you could make it look yeah, really nice. Yeah. But then God makes it and you go, oh, so oh that's better. way better. Yeah. That's way better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was recently challenged to think about my life in 2012. So 10 years ago, yep. the spring of 2012, like what would I have gone and told myself 10 years ago, knowing what I've experience in the last 10 years and what advice. And then I was challenged to think about that five years ago. And uh, can you remember 10 years ago, 2012, the spring? Yeah. Is there anything you, from today, you go, man, if I could, if I had one statement I could make to Granger Smith 10 years ago, it would be. Yeah. Keep your plans loose. Okay. We need to make plans. We're, we're fathers and husbands, leaders of the household. We need to make plans, yeah. but we need to keep them loose. And we need to know that we need to be able to pivot with where God's taken us. Yeah. And so the, my last 10 years have been the perfect testimony to that. Amen. Yeah. I talk about with Parker, uh, we're in the midst of premarital counseling right yeah. now, but we've talked before, and I think maybe you and I've talked about it, holding things with an open hand versus a closed exactly. hand. Exactly. Right. If I hold something with my, my hand open and my palm up, it can still rest there, but there's, it can also be taken whenever the Lord wants to take it. Yeah. However, if I close my hand around that thing, the, the amount of personal toll that when the, my hands are pried open, and that's taken away, there's personal loss and frustration and anxiety and all that stuff. So good call. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Where have you been at in the Word these days? I'm about to finish the McShane reading plan. And on Sunday, I'll start it. I'm going to start it again. Okay. Um, I don't have a better better idea of what else to do. I really enjoyed it. The McShane plan... The one thing that it did for me, it's twice through the New Testament, twice through the Psalms, and one through the Old Testament. And what what that did for me was it gave me a whole new love for the Psalms. Hmm. The Psalms have always been in my life just repetitive and just kind of something to get through. Are you in the Psalms every day because of the way that it's designed or? Yeah, pretty pretty much with the McShane plan, you're almost always in the Psalms. And so it slows you down through them. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, in the past, I would have gone, okay, I got to read through the Psalms, so I'm going to read four or five of them. But McShane has you read one, mm-hmm. just one. And, and it is just, it's really, I tell this to Amber all the time, it's changed my life. The Psalms have changed my life mm-hmm. because I've always been a historical narrative 
and gospel guy. Like that's where you get the meat, right? Right. That's right. where you get fed. But the Psalms teaches you how to position your heart mm. to God. And it, the, the, the living, breathing word of God through the Bible is complete with the, with the Psalms, not just the gospels. Yeah. Cause you have a lot of very honest emotions reflected. Yeah. Not just happy joy. Yeah. But fear and lament. And it takes you through, it teaches you how to express when you feel those feelings that God has given you. Yeah. And so that's a good point. I have some friends that will take a proverb a day Mm -hmm. and then five Psalms a day, and that'll put them through the Psalms and the Proverbs once a month. Yeah. And they'll cycle through that in addition to whatever else they're doing. So yeah, a healthy diet of the Psalms uh, is awesome. So that's cool. So good. Yeah. Um, All right. So today we're going to jump into the Gospel of Mark. Well, we're still in the Gospel of Mark. And since you've been here, we haven't really made it too far. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> we're, we're in uh, chapter three, actually chapter four. Um, so yeah, we have progressed a little bit. And we're, we've just begun to wade into the parables, Yeah, right? These uh, peculiar teachings of Jesus and some things that we have observed about them, uh, especially in uh, the last couple of parables where he introduces, there's, there's a parable that happens before chapter four, but right at the beginning of chapter four, he talks about the, the sowing of seed and the, the four kinds of soil. And so he, he uses that parable to kind of illustrate, this is how you need to approach all the parables. He asks the question of his disciples, if you can't understand this parable, how will you in, understand any of them? And so there's this implication that in the same way that we approach that one particular parable that's very specifically about the, the message of the kingdom being scattered and that seed falling on different soils, you've got a, a rocky soil, you've got a, a soil that has thorns growing up around it, uh, you've got one that's on just a hard-packed path that's sun-beaten, and then you've got good soil. And each of those kind of soils represent the type of heart one has in receiving the message of the kingdom of God, which is what Christ is all about. And the message about he as the king of that kingdom. So that gives us a little bit of a lens um, to wrestle with all these parables. There's also the sense in which, and we were talking about this right before we started, but that Jesus is intentionally using these parables to at the same time conceal this message of the kingdom and reveal it. And so it's concealed to those who do not have ears to hear or eyes to see, but it's revealed to those that do have ears to hear and eyes to see. And so there's this sense in which that messianic secret that we've talked about in the past where it's going, there's a certain perfect timing to this thing of what he's been, uh, what he's come to speak about and what he's come to establish. And so this, this way of teaching is the way that he preserves that timing as well. So yeah, we jump into chapter four and it's a short, short little parable we're going to read, but I think we're going to find there's a lot here. Yeah. So let's jump into it. Uh, chapter four, verses 26 through 29. And he said, he being Jesus, The kingdom of God is as if a man 
should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. All right. So the first step, we got to try to understand what, what is this saying? So are there things represented here that we need to truly understand? So we've got, what are the different characters, if you will? Yeah, well, we're ta- this is primarily talking about evangelism. And thank God for this parable and the series of parables that align with this for our own sanity in evangelism and our, our own understanding about those that uh, believe in those that don't. Because if you take these, these ideas away from the Gospels, then we are left here w- frantically trying to convince everyone to make a decision to follow Christ. And I think we would go absolutely mad. Because we would think it's on us. Yeah. And, and we've got to produce yeah. results, especially in an American context. We are a very yeah. um, market-driven. Yeah. Uh, we live in a very sales-driven and marketing-driven world. And so, man, you've got to, it's, it's up to you. And there's techniques yeah. that work and there's techniques that don't. And the ones that don't, it's probably because you haven't. You're, you're not good enough. You're, you're, you haven't learned enough. <laughs> yeah. And this applies specifically, it hits harder for those that are evangelizing to a loved one, a son or a father, a mother, a grandfather that's on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And we want to get all the techniques we can because it's up to us. But then yeah. this parable says, to me, right in the middle is such a key. It says, he knows not how. There it is, right there. You don't know how this whole thing works. So don't pretend that you do. Yeah. Yeah, you have, uh, he, he's, str- right away, he tells us what he's, he's talking about. The kingdom of God. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the topic. And here it is. It's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So this, the kingdom of God, it's, it's not like the man. And it's not like the seed scattered. What he's talking about is the way that it grows, the way that it, it develops. And the, the correlation there has to do with its growth being kind of continuous. What else do we notice about the growth in relationship to the man? Well, we know the order that it grows in, but okay. we don't know at what at what time frame that it grows. Yeah. That it seems as though it's going to grow and it, not that it, um, it's, it's growth is not mysterious, but it's growth is continual. Yeah. And it's, it's on its own timing, not in relation to our causing the growth. Yeah. But it, it's continual. And, uh, yeah, that, that whether we're, we're engaging and working on it or not, it's going to continue to grow is what the, the suggestion is here. Yeah. And it's, I think, too, one of the, I can't remember if it was with Bernie or with Kurt, who we were talking, but we were talking about one of the things that we'll tend to do right away is 
will jump into something like a text like this and will we'll right away want to figure out the significance of it for us right now. And one of the things that I've, I've really tr- tried to be mindful of is to locate the meaning of what does Jesus mean in this immediate context in which he's saying this. And from there, how do I understand the significance or how do I experience the meaning that Jesus has when he says it to this original audience? And I think it's important to slow down and go, okay, that first step is important before I get to the significance because I'll miss maybe even some deeper stuff there. And so if you think about what Jesus is doing as he's going around and he's teaching, and we don't know specifically who's in the audience this day, but we know that he's probably um, speaking to both disciples and anybody else who's present um, because we know that there are people gathered. They keep coming in droves to hear him teach. And so you you would imagine there's all level of socioeconomic Jews present, and he starts to talk about this kingdom of God and what it compares to. But he's also saying this in a very agrarian society, a, a, a culture that lives and dies by the crop. Yeah. If, if a drought comes, that's a big deal. And how much labor people put into tilling the ground and plowing it and preparing the soil for seeds so that it has a chance to grow. And he's just talked about the way that the seed is sown and goes on different soils. And now he's talking about the growth of that seed, the kingdom. So what are some things that you think that original audience, like they're hearing him talk about this, how is this landing on them? One thing that's, that sticks out to me is, is our job in this, the, the audience's job is to work. He sleeps, he rises, he sleeps and rises night and day. So the, the job never ends. It's hard work mm-hmm. and you keep going and you keep doing it over and over and over in a routine every day. That's, that's the job. But the, the result of the job, you don't know how it works. But that doesn't affect the effort that you put into it, which is once again, evangelism. Mm-hmm. We put the effort in, we pray, we, we do what we need to do, but we're not responsible for the results, nor are we responsible for the rate of the result and how fast it's happening. Yeah. And once again, I just go back to thank God for that. Thank mm-hmm. God that we, that we aren't responsible for the growth, just the work. We could do that. And that's what this audience understood. They understood the work. I think that's an important distinction to make, the idea that there is an expectation of labor, right? There's a work that we get to participate yes. in. And I say that get to in that it is a gift to participate in it. Yes. There's a unique joy that we get to experience when we are co-laborers in the gospel and that we don't get to experience otherwise. Some people are like, well, you know, what's the point? If if it, the growth is going to happen regardless, why would I? Exactly. Why would I even, why don't I just sit on the couch and watch TV? Why go out to the field and work? Exactly. Growth's going to happen. And so don't hear us saying that, that the work is not, is not something that, that it matters because it does matter. And that's what you're saying that, man, we get to do this work and it's continuous. And as this parable says, there will be a harvest. Like it leads to something where there will be a mature growth that will be gathered in 
by the Lord. What else do you think, how does this particular parable land with the, the kind of audience that would have been present for Jesus? Like in terms of maybe those opposed to him or those that are hearing him and going, man, I like this stuff. Well, this is coming to an audience that that thought that the the entrance into the kingdom was through the way that they acted or what they didn't do, what they resisted. How how much uh, sin did they have in their life that they could eradicate themselves? But here it says, the earth produces by itself. That's such a powerful thought. No, the earth produces by itself, not with you, not because of you, <laughs> not because yeah. of your technique, not because of how perfect you've been or how what amount of sin you, you have gotten rid of out of your life. No, by itself means by itself. Yeah, and there's a... The, the, the interesting, the Greek word here is the word that we would get automatic from. Like the growth is automatic. Mm. It's not something that we then hit a button and then it's initiated. Like the growth is automatic, that God is going to produce the growth. And yet there's still this expectation that we participate, yeah. that we get to play a role in it. So I think that's very interesting. Um, other thoughts around how they might hear it or why it might be significant at that time for them. Is there wrestling with the nature of this kingdom? Cause now this is not the first time now that he's begun to talk about the kingdom. Certainly not the first time the disciples have heard about this kingdom and he's been demonstrating the authority that he has as the king. And there's a sense in, t- in which, too, his disciples need to hear this, right? Because he's beginning to empower them. He's called them just before this as the apostles. He's called his and appointed his 12 apostles, his messengers of the message of the kingdom, and is commissioning them to go out and to spread this message. So there's a sense in which, as they hear this, there may be a great relief, that, okay, the growth is going to happen. We're not always going to understand how it's happening. We're going to be faithful. We're going we're gonna to go to sleep. We're going to wake up. We're going to do the work. But it's, it's going to grow. The growth is going to be automatic by itself. Yes. And if we combine this parable with John 3, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, mm. then we could, we could see the, the comparison of this, the spirit rebirthing a soul. And he uses the analogy of the wind. Mm. You don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes. So good. And if we combine that, there, there's that he knows not how. There's the connection. He knows not how, meaning you don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes. So don't worry about it. And we can get so lost in this. And I go back to if you say your, your, your 19-year-old son is not a believer and you are pouring the gospel in, you're, you're scattering the seed on the ground, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're rising day and night and working the field, and he is not responding. Jesus would say, that's because you know not how. Mm. You don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes. And you rest in that. And you, what do you do? You go back to scattering. Mm-hmm. You go back to scattering again, and you wake up and you rise and you sleep day and night again and again and again. And when the harvest is ready, when it's ripe, you don't know when that's going to be. 
Yeah. You don't know how it's going to be, but then comes to harvest. Yeah, buddy. So uh, <laughs> we have we've lived in our same house now for three, four years. We've attempted gardening every year, and uh, we have not been successful. There's been a variety of reasons. There's been uh, fencing because we got a lot of deer in our area, and so they'll get in and they'll just eat anything they can. And so we're like, okay, we got to figure that out. So this year, we have a whole new resolve. We're doing raised beds because we can control the soil content, and we brought in soil. Uh, we spent several days just building these beds out of just rock and brick that were around the house. We filled it with the right kind of soil. Last uh, week, we went and got a truckload of, of good soil, and we've got our starters, and we've got this kind of, I don't know, this white, almost, um, I don't know what it is. It's like this cloth stuff you put over there, so if it gets too cold, it protects it, keeps the deer off them as they mature. And so I just, I, I am keep seeing pictures of this process that we've gone through as we read this to go, man, we're doing all this work. And yet, like, we still just hope when the seed goes in that ground that it'll pop up and there'll be like this little green thing. Mm -hmm. And yet, we can't make it do that. We, we don't cause that to happen. But we still get to play a role in creating the conditions under which, by God's will, it will happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, this is really resonating right now because of the last three weeks that my wife and I have been investing in this garden because we want to have tomatoes. We want to have peppers. We want to have onions. Yeah. This is the right time of year to be talking about this in Texas. <laughs> I'm preparing my beds too. And and the beautiful thing about it all is at the end, we get to reap the benefits of the harvest. Yeah. My my desire is that one of the beds, so we've got a three by six, we've got four of these three by six beds. I want it to be a salsa garden. I want to be able to grab all of the contents from my garden and go make salsa. So we've got some onion going in. We've got jalapenos, tomatoes, cilantro. So I'll have to bring you some, some homemade salsa. You know what's interesting about that analogy too is that we also get better as we do more gardens. Yes. I put my peppers too close together last year or I wasn't aware of the caterpillars last year. Yeah. And, and so there's this idea that the more we do it, which is why we sleep and rise night and day, there's this idea that the more you do it, you'll also be able to prepare the ground better. It yeah. doesn't guarantee the growth, but you can, through practice, at least prepare better. Yeah, prepare better conditions. And it all goes back to, think about what God originally, where he placed us and what he put us here to do. It says in Genesis 1 and 2, he placed us in a garden. Mm. And in Genesis 2, it says he placed Adam in the garden to work it. Like originally we were put here as image bearers made in his likeness to work a garden, to cause the conditions of flourishing. Now we don't cause the flourishing. We were brought in to tend the garden, to work it and create the conditions under which he would cause growth. And that's what this is talking about in terms of the kingdom, that the kingdom is automatic. The growth is going to occur. We're not going to understand how but he has given us parameters on what kind of conditions 
when we communicate the message of the gospel, through the power of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like we understand the conditions and the, the culture of this kingdom and that it produces growth. He produces growth. And we don't know how it works. It just does. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Well, we have to remember too at the bottom, at the, at the end of this too, is that sometimes the seed doesn't grow at all mm-hmm. under the, what we think are the perfect conditions. Yeah. That too is part of the, it's, it's difficult, but it's also part of a, a relief that once again, it's not on us. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a tension in that, right? That, I mean, we talked about tension in your, your work and travel life and future and present. And there's a tension too in God causing growth, yet giving us a message and calling us to be proclaimers of this good news. And we can err on two sides. We can either say, well, it's, it's up to me and I bear this huge responsibility. And so I've, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to, not in a, not like ill motive, like manufacture, but there's a sense in which we feel like we've got to manufacture the, the fruit and the success of this. And then the other side is, well, if it's all God, I don't, why do I even have to do anything? He's going to do it anyways. And so living in that tension is where the joy is. Yes. Because if we go too far and put too much on us, well, that kills our joy because we're results-based and we'll never add up because there'll always be those people that the, the seed doesn't grow in and we wonder why. And we could see, uh, you know, our entire, you know, tons of people come to know the Lord, but those few that just resist, we go, man, what's up? It's got to be me. Then on the other side, we go, well, I'll just, we'll let other people do it or God will do it however he wants to do it. And we miss out on the joy that, that comes only when we get to share the good news and see the Lord work in someone's life. Just think of it this way. If Jesus stood up in front of a lot of people, Jesus himself, God in flesh, and gave the perfect message, the perfect gospel in as pure a form as you can get, and people heard it and turned their back and walked away. Mm-hmm. What, what does that say for us? <laughs> yeah. The master teacher and communicator had people reject him too. In fact, most of them did. Yeah. Right? Oh, so yeah. The majority. The majority of people uh-huh. that heard it from his mouth on this earth, walking on this earth, yeah. most of them rejected it. Yeah. So what does that say for us and our odds? Right. So we, what do we do? We keep scattering. We just keep going. How do we know how to scatter? We, we ourselves, we, we go back into the word. Yep. So what are, what is your way of Chad, you, the pastor, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you read your instruction book on how to scatter? What's your daily routine? Yeah. And that's, that's a question I get because there's a challenge with this calling or being in the role of a pastor where I get to like I considered a pure blessing and gift that my job is to study the scriptures and to teach them and help others apply them and to understand the creator. And so there's a lot of my day that's spent in the, in the Bible, studying the Bible, but that is a different way and time 
than my personal devotional time. Yes. That there is a time every morning I have a particular chair. There's a particular lamp because it's usually dark when I'm waking up. And uh, there is a, a reading plan. I actually ascribe to the same uh, reading plan. I just apply it uh, slightly different. So uh, the two of the readings from uh, the McShane reading plan I'll do personally. And then two of the readings I'll try to engage in with my family. And so we'll jump back and forth. So we, it takes us a lot longer. So it's not a one-year reading plan. I'll do quite a bit of reading on my own, obviously, through it. But then when we have meals together in, in the evening, which we've got busy schedules, but uh, we try to open up and read a chapter out of the Bible as a family and wrestle with it and talk about it at that moment. But in the morning, by myself, I usually make a, I do not brush my teeth first. <laughs> I go <laughs> That's straight an inside to the, joke for the listeners. Uh, I go to the coffee and I make an AeroPress coffee. Uh, actually, and I'm, and I'm grinding up 22 beans, usually shepherd's roast or Tom Bates blend. You count the, you count the beans? Well, 22 beans, the coffee company who, gotcha. okay. uh, who helps, okay. uh, yeah, support the podcast. Uh, so a buddy of mine, uh, Brad, he is the, the master roaster over there and, uh, he makes and roasts up some good coffee. So I usually have 22 beans coffee. And I make my AeroPress, go over to my chair, and I sit. And I'll usually open with prayer. And it's usually very simple. It's me asking God, help me see and understand what I'm about to read in your word. Yes. And sometimes it'll be a, a quotation from Psalm 119. Um open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things from your word. But the, the prayer is simple. I need you to show me and help me see and understand what I read from your word today. And so it's a very, I don't say this in a bad way, but it's, it's a selfish time. Like I am attending to the word mm -hmm. to fill my soul, to, to meet with my God in that moment. There may come out of that time ways that I can invest in other people. Yep. But the primary goal is me and the Lord and that we're, we're communing, we're in relationship. And so I appeal to him to speak. And then he, I read uh, something out of the Old Testament, something out of the New Testament. And then if there's anything that provokes me to prayer in that, uh, then I'll take some time to petition for people that have asked for prayer or that I've said, hey, I'll pray for you. Like that's the time where I kind of make sure I do that. And uh, by that time, my my oldest son, who's now 13, he'll, he'll mosey out there and he started his own discipline of trying to be in the word. And so um, sometimes he'll come out there and join and not join it with me, but he'll be in the living room as well. And so we'll read the word together. So what you're saying is as a pastor, you're in the word all, most of the day, a lot of the day, yeah. but you're using the word to speak into others, to speak into situations, to, yeah, buddy. to petition for the church. But the time you're talking about with your coffee is when you're allowing time for God to speak to you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, that I am listening and I, I need him to show me things. I need him to speak to me, to challenge me and confront sin in my life, to encourage me when my heart is low, to uh, just let me see beautiful things. Gosh. Um, yeah. So good. And so many people 
well, all, a very common question to me is, how, how do I discern God's voice or how do I hear what God needs me to do in this situation? And the, the answer is really so simple that he has spoken through his word right. and it's living and breathing alive today, just like it was yesterday. And he speaks through the word. How? Well, Jesus says through the helper, mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, who will teach us many things more than what Jesus taught us in the yeah. gospel through us, through this word. Yeah. And if we give it space and we, we align our time in the morning, like you're doing with the word and we say, and, and we, and we pour in with prayer into it saying, like the Psalm says, open my mouth and I will praise you. Mm. Why? Because you're not capable of, open, of opening your mouth. You're not capable of understanding. Just right, right here, it says, he knows not how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a relief. God, open my mouth so I could praise you. Open my eyes so I could understand the wisdom yeah. that you're trying to teach me. Amen. And I'm going to give you space right here to speak to me. And, and it's really, it's very complex, but so simple. And the fact that that is how God will speak through these words and through that conviction of the Holy Spirit, like, wait a minute, this is this line right here. This is talking to me. This is, this is my situation. This is my answer. Yeah. And there's those moments in those morning times. That's usually when something will resonate and, or, or convict and I'll go, whoa, Mm. And it, and so when people are like, how do you know God's speaking to you? It's for me, it's as I read the word and I've asked the spirit to show me things, there will be moments where I'll see a, a phrase or I'll stand back and look at something that I've been reading and it just happens in my, my gut, my yeah. soul where yeah. I go, okay, wow. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta deal with that. Or all right, I, I see some guidance here or, you know, so. And what you're saying for the listeners is sometimes sometimes that feeling, that gut is peace. Like I'm reading this and I feel yep. there's my peace, but sometimes it's extreme discomfort. Yeah. That sanctification will will tie you up in knots. Like this is making me very uncomfortable to read this right now. Yeah. And then and you s- think about it all day. And you go, okay, I've read this, Lord. It's, it's messing me up. Yes. What do I do about it? What, what, how can I walk forward? I don't want this feeling anymore. What do I need to confess? What do I need to, to deal with? What do I need to confront? Who do I need to go talk to or seek forgiveness from? Who have I wronged? Like, so there's times where that discomfort is meant as a blessing and a gift from the Lord yes. because it forces me to do something about it. And I'm seeking out, like, what have I, who have I wronged? What have I, and go make amends with somebody. And then I'm like, relief, sweet relief. So it's a pretty dynamic. I think a lot of people, when they open their Bible, it's, it's a dry and confusing experience. And if that's you and you're listening to this podcast, I've been there. Yeah, I've been to that spot. And I would say it's worth laboring through that. And even if you're like, I'm not feeling it today, I'm not getting anything out of it, fight for that time. Yes. Develop those muscles because there is going to be a time where you, through your desire and fervency, you're like, I want something out of it. I'm not getting anything yet, but you keep doing, exercising those muscles. And there will be a day when you experience the joy and the fruit of that laboring with the Lord. 
That's right. And and pray for that. If you feel that this is disorienting or or confusing, yeah. pray through that with that. Yeah. God, this is confusing. Open my eyes to it. Make me thirst for this. I heard yeah. from Pastor Chad and that I should be hungry for your word, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and admit that. Yep. I'm not hungry for this. In fact, it's confusing, but make me. Open my eyes. Yep. Open my mouth. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's why the Psalms have changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. People have always wondered, are you going to do a worship album? Yeah. Maybe you need to do a, a kind of a Psalms. I love it. I, 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 you know, if you read through the generations after David, say Second Chronicles, you'll see that they were singing to the words of David, hmm. which means they were singing through the Psalms. Yeah. Well, Jesus a, quotes the Psalms. Leave a, a comment below and, and just let Granger know that you'll you'll be first to download his album on the <laughs> Psalms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, brother, good to have you. Oh, good man. to have you Thanks back on the podcast. Me. And uh, we're going to try not to uh, let you go too long without being back here again. But number twenty in the books. See you back at twenty-five. Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's a good cadence. <laughs> okay. One every five. Uh, so thank you for joining Take and Read Podcast. If you do have questions, please email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Again, getting to all of those questions. I enjoy the questions. I'm grateful for them. If I, you're still waiting to hear from me, don't worry. I will get to your questions. Uh, thank you again to 22 Beans for supporting uh, some of the production costs for this podcast. And uh, I do recommend you try their coffee, good coffee. Yeah. Um, you, my hat, I've got, I've got a couple of hats available if you want to support the podcast that way. Um, I've actually started a thing where if you order a hat, I haven't, I mean, I've sold, a, a, I don't know, a handful of hats. It's nothing like EE apparel for sure. Uh, but I will write a handwritten note. I write a handwritten note and a little word of encouragement to everybody who orders a hat. So order That's a hat. Awesome. Yeah. Another way you could support this podcast if you're watching on YouTube is to like it, like the video, yeah. and to comment. So if you don't have anything specific to comment, just comment a cross or a heart or a thumbs up. Just comment a thumbs up, just, yeah. just an emoji. That helps the algorithm so that this could get to more people that need to see it. Awesome. Granger, love you, buddy. Love you, man. Thanks. Have a good day.